Hello. Hello. Thanks for joining us on this fine day. It's a really hot day. It's hot. So hot. I'm Savannah. I'm Alicia. This is Burden of Proof. Burden of Proof. Okay. So I'm just going to jump right into it because I am like half angry about the, at myself for choosing this case. Mm-hmm. But I'm also pumped. Like as a mother, you would think... Like, I want this case because she's a mother. Yeah. I'm a mother. But at the same time, I if you know, the, I get real throat punchy yeah. thinking about all of this. You might not know the TikTok audio or I don't know if it maybe started out on Vine where it goes, bitch, I'm a mother. No drama. <laughs> oh, she is full of drama. <laughs> Diane Downs, full of drama. So today you're doing Diane Downs. Diane Downs. Diane Downs. I'm going to be honest. I know nothing. Going into this completely blind arena. Um, this is going to be good. I'm excited. I like not knowing things. She is a sociopath extraordinaire. Ooh. All right. So I'm going to jump into it. All right. All right. So Elizabeth, her name, her full name is actually Elizabeth Diane Downs. She went by her middle name. She was born August 7th, 1955. Ooh, old timey. And the eldest of five children. It's not really that old timey. Not really, but we'll, we'll get into that. So according to Anne Rule, the author of Small Sacrifices, which was the story based on Diane's life, uh, Diane was ignored by her mother and abused by her father. Oh, no. um, rabbit hole. Diane's family, or seemingly her father, mm-hmm. actually started a website after everything happened. And he la- he admits on that website, like, yeah, we weren't great parents. Like, my children never heard I love you until they were much older. What? And, you know. I cannot understand that. Yeah. Well, you will when you hear how she is. Well, I <laughs> You'll mean, go, like, that makes total I sense. In general, like, on one hand, physical abuse, I feel like is I've seen it so much more regularly in media portrayal, mm-hmm. you know? So I yeah. kind of feel like, I, yeah, I understand that. Not I understand it, but I've seen it. When it comes to, like, not telling them you love them? Yeah. No, they were. They basically were taught. They taught their children not to show their emotions. Like. <laughs> what? Don't cry. What? Don't get upset. That's don't. So yeah. Little humans have so many emotions and they feel them so big. Exactly. Yeah. Terrible. It's terrible. Okay. So I just want to throw that little tidbit in. You know, she grew up. She was socially awkward, but very intelligent and excelled mm-hmm. academically. But she felt ignored, just over, you know, just not seen. Diane would later testify in court that she was never, this goes back to the feelings in her family. Sorry, my notes were a little out of order. She testifies in court during her trial that she was never allowed to cry. And so she developed what so many sociopaths develop which is they actually smile or laugh at inappropriate times when they should be visibly upset and crying so flash forward that's the gist of her like young childhood in high school she meets steve downs at 15 she said she fell for him because he made her feel important he did things like you know fight for her and she felt like it was probably I, just the bare minimum. And she's probably, because so the bar was probably yeah. set pretty low. 
I know like when other people I've listened to a couple podcasts on this. Some people do two parters. Some mm-hmm. people just do one because it's one of those stories like you can just hit on the highlights and do a short one. I'm going to mine will probably be somewhere in between. You know, a lot of people are making him sound. She claims that he was abusive. Other people like when you hear what she did, it's like, oh, what a great guy. Yeah. But who knows? Like, maybe, maybe he was, maybe he isn't. I don't really know. It's kind of a he said, she said. I, you know. Yeah. Her family backs her up saying, yes, he was abusive. I don't know. But I couldn't really find anything of, like, evidence, like, that she was, you know, at the hospital, that he had been arrested for domestic violence. Like, nothing. I I couldn't find anything like that. In November 13th of 1973, they got married. But just two weeks into the marriage, Diane claims she realized she made a mistake. She felt like Steve didn't truly love her. He's just using her for sex, yada, yada. Well, one of the accusations was that her father not only was abusive emotionally, but that he sexually abused her. So is that the case or is that her perception? We don't know. In any case, she decided to grow her own source of love. Oh, no, <laughs> that is so horrible. What a way to start. Yes. No. Um, okay. On, okay. Are you, are you ready for this life, fight, life advice? Oh, boy. Children never solve problems. Yeah. No. Not spoiler. If anything, they create them. Yes. <laughs> yes. Children isn't going to save your marriage. It's not going to save your relationship. It's not going to save you. No. And, well, I'll get into that in a minute, but basically... Like, you don't have children to have children to love you. No. You You have have children children. so that you can love them. Mm -hmm. But no, she she had it a little backwards. Uh, So without telling Steve, she stopped taking her birth control. And that's so wrong. Her firstborn, Christy, was born October 7th of 1974. Christy was a perfect baby. She the first ones always are. You know, she mine wasn't, but <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. No, she was she was pretty chill as baby as far as babies go, but it was a little when she got a little older, she became a handful. Um, but she said Christy was beautiful. She she loved her. She was so easy to take care of. She didn't cry hardly at all. Very easy to love. But Diane claims that Steve's abuse got worse. After having Christy, because, well, yeah, you tricked him into having a baby that he was 19. They were young. Whoa, I didn't put that together. Yeah, they were young. They got married like oh. some sources say she went off to college, um, but she went to like a Bible college mm-hmm. and she got kicked out for being promiscuous. So then she yeah. came back and she got back together with Steve. They get married. Okay. So they were married young. I'm 20, and the idea of having a child at 19 makes me want to cry. Yeah. I was 27 when I had my first, and yeah, my I was scared. Were, were late <laughs> like, I was scared even then. I can't imagine. So, desperate to grow more love. I hate that. That feels so wrong. It, feel, it, it feels gross. It, it is gross. It is gross. She once again gets pregnant without Steve's consent. So their second born, Cheryl, came into the world on January 10th, 1976. But Diane's plan backfires. 
this time around. Only colicky baby. Oh, no. Cheryl was a fussy baby, colicky, difficult. Cried a lot. For those of us who are 20 and don't know what colicky really means. Oh, yes. That basically is like persistent gas issue. Oh. So it usually starts around like typically it'll start around six weeks of age, Mm -hmm. four to six weeks of age, I believe. And it'll last for so many weeks. But um, yeah, so I spent every night between the hours of 6 p.m. and 9 p.m. dealing with my oldest who was colicky for about three or four weeks nonstop. I love those videos where they have to like birth their babies and you stretch them out, they run their legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, they- and that's what you have to do to try oh, and get yeah. it worked out. Yeah. But when they're colicky, so it's just so persistent yeah. and terrible for them that it's they're just always in pain. Parents, yeah. It is. It is. Um, some sources say that she even went so far as to say that Cheryl wasn't even cute. What? Which is crazy to me because in the family photos she looks a lot like Christy. Like, they look a lot alike. Well, so it was just... It was just... Diane... Was having a more difficult time. Diane's throwing a fit that, you know, Ugh, why can't you be Lenora like your sister? Yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. So Steve goes and has a vasectomy because he... Smart Steve. And she, at the time, agreed that they didn't need any more children. But Steve forgets to go for his follow-up visit. Because, you know, for those of you who might not know, like, like you, my hand. <laughs> uh, when you have a vasectomy, you have to go back about nine or ten weeks later to get your stuff checked to make sure the vasectomy actually worked and that your sperm count will not be present. And I won't go into the actual, <laughs> I could explain. I'm processing the actual because I don't procedure. think I realized that that was the result of a vasectomy. Yes, that is the I result of the vasectomy. I just thought that it made them not viable, not that it didn't exist. No, it actually, yeah, you're actually like rerouting them, essentially. Huh. Yes. I learn something new every day. Yeah. So <laughs> sorry. he did not go back uh, no. and get checked. So, so he clearly did not know what the result of a vasectomy was supposed to be. I think I think people just don't think that I think because it's such a simple procedure, like it's done in a doctor's office. Yeah. You don't go to the hospital. It's not like this big ordeal. So I think probably like a lot of guys, he probably just kind of forgot and was like, uh, it's, it's okay. Like I had it. It's a typical procedure like how wrong could it go well it can go very wrong wrong. um because diane got pregnant again but she has an abortion this time because they had agreed no more children they couldn't afford this kid and after having cheryl she was worried that she was gonna get another another colicky like unlovable baby essentially so they agreed that it would have just been too much So she has the abortion, and Fair then enough. Steve goes back to have a second vasectomy. Get them frozen peas back out of the freezer. Yes. Yes. Hopefully he went for that follow-up. No, he did. So the following year and a half, Diane would try to leave Steve several times, but she kept going back, and he would keep taking her back. I roll. Yes. <laughs> I never get that. 
you know, well, some sources basically said that she would go. I I don't fully understand this because they said she would go back when she couldn't find like a viable job. She would take the kids, but she couldn't find a job that was suitable for, I guess, taking care of two kids, which makes sense, except that then she goes on to get jobs later that so I don't understand like and it's not like she went back to school or anything. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know the story. I don't know the whole story. But that's the case. And about two years after her abortion, she starts to become obsessed. Like two years, like after the fact, she actually names the baby that she aborted. She becomes obsessed with the idea of becoming pregnant again. She actually asks Steve to reverse his vasectomy, which he refuses. So she tells him, that's fine. I'll find a donor. She went on to have three affairs with coworkers in an attempt to find who she wanted to be the donor. So to speak. So is it an affair if he knows that that's what she's going to go do? Was he? He wasn't consenting to having a baby. Like, no. This is we. We don't know. We don't know. Like, did did he just say okay? Okay. She's going to go off and have an affair. Like, I, I. Like, did she? But did, but she for sure told him, "I'm going to go." Supposedly, her. yes. What? Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> she finds who she wants at work. Okay. Which was a 19-year-old kid. She's like 23-ish at this time. Okay. She finds like a 19-year-old kid. He's good looking. At this point, she's working for a wiring. She would do electrical wiring in like mobile homes. So she's working around predominantly men, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Male-driven field at that time especially. But she's like very, is she like, spoiler, sociopath. Most of them, a lot of people with personality disorders, when they're in certain environments, they can be extremely charming and mm-hmm. the life of the party. So when she's at work, like, she's the life of the party and these dudes love her, which is why she manages and they and they think nothing of because a lot of them are married. Yeah. And so they'll have affairs with her and and then know that, like, okay, we're done. And now she's having an affair with that guy. And apparently nobody, like, cared. cared. Nobody cares. Weird. Well, yeah. She finds who she wants, and then she has said in multiple multiple interviews, basically throughout her whole story, that she always was very in tune with her cycle. So okay. she knew when she was going to be ovulating, and all it took was one time. So she seduces this guy one time and gets pregnant. And despite Steve knowing that it can't be his kid, he stays with her. And accepts the kid as his own. And she claims that Steve is abusive? Yeah. And so that's why people don't really believe that he was abusive because, like, who, what? I have known three people in my life whose whose dads are not their biological fathers. Mm-hmm. Who have just taken them in and loved them just as much. And they're all the nicest people. I'm just generalizing a little bit. Yeah. And so that's that's... Kind of why the speculation is, Diane, you're probably... And, you know, you can't believe much of what she says. So that's why a lot of people don't believe that he was abusive. However, I will say this. I will say, not that there's ever an excuse to abuse people, but I could see how someone like Diane Downs could push a person to get to the point where they do abuse 
It's not that they are, I wouldn't label them an abuser, but they act out or they behave in an abusive way. If you're a sociopath or a psychopath or whatever your diagnosis is, and you're manipulating people, that's emotional abuse within itself. So they're also a victim. Right. Exactly. It's a very messy gray area. Exactly. Yeah. So it could, I mean, it could technically, by definition. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So um, Stephen Danny Downs was born December 29th, 1979, but they call him Danny. Hate that. Name your kid what you're going to call your kid. Yeah. That's a very... Well, I know it used to be very common in the South. My father's family was from Arkansas. Yeah. And they did that all the time. They'd go by middle names. My brother is a junior and he goes by his first and his middle name. Yeah. Because that is his name. (laughs) Yep. Luckily for baby Danny, he was perfect like Christy. So easy to love. And everybody loved him. He He is very cute. He was very cute. Very cute baby. But... That's still not enough for Diane. But she does at least seem to realize that she isn't so much obsessed with having children and taking care of children, just the feeling of being pregnant. Okay. She continues to be obsessed with the idea of being pregnant. So since she can't, you know, I mean, I don't know. I guess she realized that you can't just keep going around seducing men into <laughs> knocking you up and have one one of them support you and no. yeah and steve isn't going to keep supporting you <laughs> yeah. if you keep doing that so she decides to apply to be a surrogate mother i was gonna say yeah which she also finds out that surrogates at the time got paid ten thousand dollars so she was and she was in need of money here's the interesting part and this is where we could get real detailed because it is rather interesting, but she actually had to go through a few different psychological exams by different hmm. psychiatrists or psychologists, and she didn't exactly pass any of them. But oh. she was young, and she was healthy, and she had a history of having he- healthy pregnancies, so they let her into the program. I mean, when you say didn't exactly pass. So... Basically, they could tell they could tell that her marriage was Steve because they not only evaluated her, they evaluated yeah. the spouse because they want to make sure like yeah. it's not, you know. And that's the other reason that I question, was he really abusive? I don't think so. Because they noticed tension, but they didn't cite like, oh, we think, you know, we think the husband's an abuser. Like they And they know to look for those things. Exactly. That's exactly what they're looking for. They evaluate them, they interview them, they all note that there's tension Mm -hmm. in the marriage, and they note that she seems to be able to turn her emotions on and off. And, like, just she's manipulative, basically. Okay. And every, ultimately, they all said that they questioned if she would actually be able to give up the baby. Huh. Is what it boiled down to. Is they didn't believe that she would actually follow through with the contract and hand the baby over when the time came. But she gets into the program, but it's a time, you know, this takes time. So in the meantime, she continues to have affairs until Steve finally says, you know. Stop it. Sayonara. Let's have a divorce. I'll give you a divorce. And I think there was some agreement that she would, like, buy him out of the house or something like that. And one of her boyfriends 
at the time, like, gave her the money to buy Steve out so she could get divorced. Then on May 7th, 1982, she actually had followed through with the surrogate thing despite Mm -hmm. getting divorced and whatnot. So she gave birth to a baby girl and actually did honor the agreement and handed over the baby girl within five days. She went home. Continued to work her way through multiple affairs with Mary co-workers until she found the one that she actually fell for, fell in love with. His name was Robert Knickerbocker, but he went... I'm by- sorry. Hold on. <laughs> We're not moving past that. Oh, what now? <laughs> yes. His name is Robert Knickerbocker, but his uh, friends and co-workers all knew him by... Uh, he went by Nick. Okay. Okay. So from here on out, he'll probably be referred to as Nick. Please, yeah, never say so, that again. <laughs> I can't keep it together. Is he a clown? <laughs> well, he did hook up with Diane Downs. But the thing is, he was married. A lot of the men that she yeah. had relations with were married. But she fell hard for him. And despite the fact that he made it clear in the beginning that this was just a fling for him because he was actually hadn't been married long, mm-hmm. but he was like not, I guess, I, I guess married life just wasn't what he, he wanted it to be. thought it was going to be or something, but he did love his wife. So he's like, maybe a fling is what I need. He literally says when interviewed that he had seen Diane would have affairs and oftentimes Diane would get tired of the men and she would like cut it off. So he wasn't scared that she was going to get attached to him because he had watched her yeah so they this affair goes on is like on again off again for months because she did get attached to him so he would try to end it and she would always worm her way back in until he like finally is like no you know like at the same time that he's saying no we need to stop she gets an opportunity to move to oregon because her father, she was working at the post office at this point. So her and Nick worked together at the post office. Her father had become the postmaster up in a town in Oregon. So she can like move up there, stay within the post office, but like have a better position, a better route. It's close to family. She can get help with the kids, yada, yada. So in the spring of 1983, she says, okay, I'm going to start fresh. But she does seem to think like she had herself kind of convinced that she really thought that good old Nick was not going to just let her go. He would follow her, except he doesn't. Several months later, she took her children one night to visit a friend and they leave the friend's house at about 930 at night. Diane takes, you know, the scenic route home claiming she went that way to see the sights. She saw a road that she had never been down and wanted to see, go sightseeing at 9.30 at night on a country road. No, nothing. I'm not <laughs> Most people don't because there's not much to see, you right? Know, but I am known for like, if we're in a, like we were just in Atlanta last weekend. Mm-hmm. We were in a really rich area. I was like, let's go look at the houses and pull them Oh, yeah. Hello. Yeah, yeah. When you can see things, there's yeah, lights, there's street lights, it. there's neighborhoods. Yeah. yeah, no, this is like a country road where not many people are around. There are houses, but I'm guessing, you know, from the description yeah, that they're, really see them. they aren't like close to the road. Yeah, um, yeah no, I haven't done that. 
So the kids, it's questionable. The kids fall asleep. Christy may or may not have been asleep. Okay. Because how old is Christy at this Christy point? Christy at this point is eight. Okay. So, yeah. Um, She's eight. Cheryl is six or just turned seven. And Danny is about three. Okay. So Diane's claim is that a bushy-haired man came out into the middle of the road and waved her down. So she stopped and asked, what's, you know, what's the problem? What's the matter, mister? What's the matter? And she not only did she stop, but she supposedly got out of the car. Helping is for dead people, so don't do that ever. Yeah, Yeah, or at least be smart about it. Now, granted, this was not at a time when cell phones were around, but still, like, stay in your car so you can drive away if said bushy head. It's the middle to late 80s. There were lots of serial killers at this point. Yeah. Like, you're fine. You should know better. So she says that he demands her keys or demands the car. And she claims that her response was, you've got to be kidding me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can kind of see that. And that he pushed her aside, pulled out a gun, leaned into the car, and started shooting her children. Okay, I have a question. Is Diane Diane Downs white? Yes. But she says bushy-haired man. Is she trying to blame this on a black man? No, the the composite sketch that they come up with doesn't exactly. Like, uh, I wouldn't. He could be of another ethnicity, maybe, but not like because she's like blonde hair, blue eyed. Yeah. You know, we're talking white, white. Like, yeah, but he doesn't have. I was just trying to figure out if this was like her trying to be like, I'm just a white girl. This, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, no. I was trying to figure I out if she was trying to be like that. I or... don't think so. I think she was just trying to give like. I mean, it's Oregon general. South, so. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think that's really what. In the composite sketch, he has bushy hair, but it's straight. And oh, like, okay. never mind. I apologize. So it's just like disheveled, yeah. long to like longer hair, but okay. yeah. Valid question, though. I'm just saying because. That would make me hate her more. I was going to... Well, you'll hate her more here shortly. <laughs> well, I know, but, like, come on. You can't... But, you, yeah, you, that would no. make it even worse. I hate that. Absolutely. I hate when they're aware of their privilege and then use it to their advantage. Like, that's not that's not what you're supposed to do with your privilege. No. 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 Quite the opposite. So, again, she claims that he leans in and starts shooting the kids. Then he goes... To grab the keys, she throws the keys into the bushes, or pretends to. I'm sorry. She pretends to throw the keys out into the bushes, and you he shoots her. Go get him. Yeah. She says that he shoots her in the arm. Perfect shot. Right in the middle of her forearm. Halfway between her wrist and elbow. He runs to get the keys. She jumps in the car, takes off. She says she drives like a lunatic all the way to the hospital where she pulls in in the ER and starts yelling, please help. So they come out and find a nightmare, just a nightmare. Yeah. Her younger daughter, her middle child, Cheryl, mm-hmm. the colicky one, what had been sitting in the front seat and was pronounced dead upon, upon arrival or shortly upon arri- mm-hmm. after arrival. Um, the bullet that hit Danny 
had damaged, had gone into his spine and damaged his spine. Um, the doctor said he's paralyzed. He will never walk again. Christy had been hit and had a major stroke that the doctor said they did not expect her to necessarily recover from. Mm -hmm. They said, if so, it would be extremely difficult. Uh, the doctor, specifically the doctor that came in to do surgery on Christy, later states in an interview that he thought Christy was dead when he first stepped in oh to God. the room. He said her pupils were dilated and her blood pressure was basically non-existent. Mm -hmm. Like I said, Diane had just been shot halfway, you know, between in her forearm and she had a towel wrapped around her arm. Oh, so you have a towel and you're not going to use it on one of your kids? Exactly. When you've been shot in the arm. Her reasoning for that was, well, if I had taken the time to stop and try to try to put the towel and like get it would have it would have taken no. more time. It would have taken no. even five seconds could have been a difference between life and death. I hate I needed to get the kids. And she claims that she did it while she was driving. Like she just grabbed a towel and wrapped it around while she was driving. But it was wrapped pretty neatly from the description. So police show up. Um, they interview Diane. There was some like it took a while because one set of police show up and it was kind of one of those situations and they find out, oh, well, you were on the old county road. So now we need to call the sheriff's department yeah. instead of the city police. But they do finally get a chance to kind of do an initial interview with her and they ask her to go with them back to the scene. They're like, you know, your kids are being taken yeah. care of. There's nothing you can do right now. Come with us to the scene to show us what happened. As they're walking to the police car, they walk past her car, which is now being guarded by another officer. And she tells the officers, I hope my car is okay. Are there any bullet holes in it? And they said, we don't know. We haven't checked it yet. I hope my car is okay. These officers would later... <laughs> state that Diane's demeanor the entire time they talk with her is very flat and that even after she found out Cheryl was dead, she never shed a tear. <laughs> Suddenly at the scene, when they're asking her like, well, where did this man come from? You know, like this is a country road. Like, yeah, how did this happen? She suddenly remembers that there was a, an, quote, icky yellow car parked on the side of the road, except now it's not there. Okay. So she runs through the, her story. They take her back to the hospital. She is admitted because she was going to need to have surgery um, because the bullet hit her tendon or something in her arm, so she's going to need to have surgery. That same doctor who worked on Christy recalls that uh, his name's Dr. Stephen Wilhite. Uh, he recalls that when he found Diane upon her return to the hospital and he went to update her about Christy, not only did she not shed a tear, but she said, I really ruined my new car. I got blood all over the back of it. I, I really ruined my new car. Yeah. I got I, blood all over the back exactly. of it. Exactly. And then the hospital staff and police all had moments where they were struck by Diane's lack of emotion, as well as every time she'd walk into Christy's room. So Christy survives. Yeah. Every time she'd walk into Christy's room, Christy's vitals would spike. Oh, no. But she couldn't talk yet. 
she doesn't talk for like months after because she's still recovering. So the detectives at some point when she's in the hospital, uh, I know, I know, it's automatic reaction. I know. It it is. I have to kind of like put a wall up. Oh yeah. As as my mom heart is like no, but detectives then get Diane's permission to search her home. Yeah. Just like let's, can we do that? And she's sure. By the way, bring me my diaries back, and she tells them, because of course one of the questions they ask is, do you own guns? And she tells them, yeah, I have two guns. I have a 38 special, mm-hmm. what they used to call Saturday Night Special or something, in the trunk of my car, still there. And I have a 22 caliber rifle in my home. This is where you'll find it. So they go to the apartment. When they walk in, it's sparse. It looks like nobody actually lives there. It looks like somebody's yeah. still in the process of moving in. All they find, they find four pictures. All of her, or at this point to them, an unknown man. No pictures of her kids or other family members. So they're wondering because they did notice that she had a tattoo on her shoulder with the name Nick. Okay. Okay. So they're wondering if if this is Nick. They also find a golden unicorn-like statuette that she mentioned. All the stories, like... Everybody mentions this unicorn statuette. I don't really understand. I think that everybody mentions it because they think, like, she talks about it to the police. She's like, oh, I shouldn't have bought that. I just bought that as a significance of, like, starting our life fresh over. But it's like this unicorn little statue that's gold, and she had their names engraved in it, the the three kids. So I guess the question is, did you, like, is that the reason you got it? Or did you get it in, like, beforehand, but in remembrance of your kids? Because you thought they were all going to be dead. Or did you think, well, I don't need to prove that I loved my kids? Yeah. Nobody really knows, but to everybody it seems significant, so I thought I'd mention it. They also find journals with entries talking about how how much she loves Nick. Her coworker Nick. She's so in love. In the meantime, Steve Downs flew to Oregon from Arizona. Okay. To yeah, because his kids. Are, yeah, his kids are now one of them's he dead. Lost one. Yep. He tells them he knows who Nick is. Yeah. That it's Robert Knickerbocker, uh, known as Nick. That he's a married man that Diane used to work with, and that she was having an affair and fell hard for back in Arizona. They ask him if he knows if Diane owns any guns. He says yes. She owns three guns. Aha. Or she has three guns, I should say. He says a 22 rifle, a 38 revolver, and a 22, and he was very specific, a 22 Ruger Mark IV nine-shot semi-automatic pistol. Why was he so specific? Because it was his gun. Oh, she that he had gotten. Yeah, he says that he got the gun when he had done some work for somebody. It was like a barter kind of thing. Um, And so they ask him, well, wait, why would she have it? And he said that when he last saw it, it was on his it was about six months prior to that day. And that 
she had taken it before and borrowed it before. And so when it went missing, he just assumed that she had it. Okay. Well, Mary, I, you know, married couples do that. Oh, well. They weren't married, though. But she had still, like, come and taken it and borrowed it, oh. I guess, even after they split up. Okay. Yeah. That's weird. Everything about this is weird. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so detectives ask him about Nick mm-hmm. and if he thought that they might that she might put the children or Nick ahead of the children, basically. Like, would she ever, you know, harm your children for the sake of somebody? And he was adamant that, no, these children are her life. She wanted nothing more than to be a mother, which did seem to be the case. However, in some of the later interviews with people she had had affairs with, those many of those men would say, Oh, she talked terrible about her kids. Like, they were nothing yeah. than a burden. They start investigating. They they follow the bushy-haired man lead. <laughs> they put the news. It, it's in the news. The whole town is losing it because everybody thinks, like, oh, no, are me and my kids going to be next? Like, how you can't even drive down a country road. Like, <laughs> this bushy-haired man is he's a, a madman who shot three kids, and he's on the loose. For no apparent reason. There's no motive. He killed these kids for no reason. Yeah, but they didn't have much to work with. Like, she didn't give them. She's just like, it's a bushy-haired man. That's all. The composite sketch, like I said, it's questionable. Like, you can't even really tell what ethnicity the person would even be. Conveniently vague. Yes, exactly. They didn't have much to work with. And the only evidence they found at the scene were some casings. From the bullets. The composite did nothing because he's not real. (laughs) They even sent, they looked all around. They had a search party all around the area looking for anything, looking for the gun, looking for evidence that another, like some dude had been camped out and (laughs) they, nothing. They found nothing. They even had divers in the ponds and waterways nearby. They found nothing. So Steve's go, or detectives go back and do an, a more in-depth interview with Diane. When she sees they're going to record it, she hesitates to talk. And when they question her on it, then she kind of laughs it off and go, oh, okay, recording it won't hurt. So she agrees. However, the interview is a little strange because they, can, they don't even have to ask questions. Like she just starts talking nonstop oh. and... It's as if she's anticipating what they're going to ask. And so she just keeps going and going and going. Because she had rehearsed her answers. Yeah, kind of. But detectives do report uh, later on that this is the first and only time that she actually did start to tear up when talking about Cheryl. But she immediately shut it down and then appeared embarrassed by having... Huh. Lost control of her emotions. That's weird. So after talking with her again, they start digging deeper. They begin to question why would she have only been shot in the arm and her, why would the shooter, if the shooter's trying to carjack you and the, the goal is to get the car, why would they just lean into the car and start shooting the sleeping children? Yeah, no, the sleeping children aren't preventing you from stealing the car at all. Right. So why wouldn't you shoot, like, 
why wouldn't he shoot you and take the keys and take off with the kids or push the kids out of the car onto the road or something, if that was the goal. They note that she had taken the time to neatly wrap the towel around her arm instead of using it, but she has she has reasons. She has reasons. Diane gets out of the hospital and immediately, pretty much immediately, starts a press tour, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Also, like, where's Nick? <laughs> uh, oh, Nick is not in the picture. Like, he, he, like, he never came to Oregon. He never followed her. I know, but she has a tattoo. Okay, we're going to get there. Yeah, okay. we'll get there. We'll get there. I'm ahead of the game. So Diane and her, like, her family agrees that, like, oh, you should do a news conference, you know, to to beg for this person to come forward or if anybody knows. It's like people do yeah, when children get do. hurt or missing. But it kind of goes weird okay. from the start. At this point, she knows that the... the the, the focus of the investigation and, like, people are asking questions saying this just doesn't seem yeah. legit. So she knows L- that. So I I wish this is one of those times, like, I wish I hope that I can do this justice. Yeah. Because to see her interview is to see her facial expressions and everything. It's chilling. I got goosebumps every time I watch okay. it. It, it's chilling. I know. I sat here and I, I looked at pictures because I didn't know what she looked like. And then I was appalled that she had so many affairs. Yeah. And then... Yeah, um, she's not... Actually, she's not, in the book Small Sacrifices, Anne Roll describes her as like, she's one of those people that she's very plain or not very attractive except in certain angles so yeah. like there's certain pictures of her where you're like oh wow she's beautiful okay, I get it. and then but a lot of them you're like who are all these dudes having an affair with this woman <laughs> like, how, how is this working but she's very she can be charming when she wants yeah. to be um okay so in the interview she gets extremely defensive sounding and says if i had shot my own children would i not have done a good job of it why would i have taken my kids to the hospital wouldn't i have made sure they were dead and then cried crocodile tears that's insane to think i'd do such a thing and then bring the witnesses in myself that's crazy did anybody accuse you of this before you started yelling about it no, other than talk, just mm-hmm. in the pub- public. So now detectives are very suspicious. Yeah. So they asked Diane to do a reenactment, which she was seemingly more than happy to do. During the recorded reenactment, Diane is seen primping herself in the car mirror. Like she's sitting in the car. They start recording, but they don't start officially mm-hmm. yet. She's seen, like, primping herself to make sure, you know, she looks good for the camera. She seems gleeful to be on camera and is, like, making jokes, laughing. You're reenacting what should be the absolute worst night of your life. No, absolutely. Yeah. I have no words for that. Disturbing. At one point, she hits her cast, like, when she's, like, trying to show how she pushed the guy out of the way and jumped into the car. She hits her cast... And as she jumps into the car and is heard saying, this is worse than, but stops herself, detectives think that she was about to say, they're like, you know, we couldn't help but feel she was about to say, this is worse than when I shot myself. Yeah. 
I love, because you know that when you're anticipating somebody's words, it's hard to say, well, I knew she was going to say that. But yeah. you do. Yeah. You know what people are going to say in the moment. Yeah. How old is Danny again? I know you told me. Danny was three, three at the time. So I'm, con- I know he was paralyzed and he wasn't talking at the hospital. He had been asleep. Him and Cheryl had been asleep. The reason that it's important about Christy is that oh yes Diane's story Diane's story is flip-flops and we'll get to that okay. but Diane's story flip-flops and at first asleep. all three kids are asleep then Christy's not asleep we come to find out Christy was not asleep yeah. so if she had been asleep then she woke up at some point before the shooting took place Diane continues to chase interviews thinking it will help drum up sympathy, mm-hmm. but it actually has the opposite effect because yeah. she can't stop talking. And the more she talks, the more she... She should have boyered up. They would have floored Digs Shut the up. hole. Exactly. So in these interviews, she brazenly states that Danny is not paralyzed, that he will walk again, even if they have to will him to do it. She like says something like, if, I can just, if we can just love him enough, I know that the mind... It's more so powerful over the body. Yeah, something to that effect. So despite the fact that all the doctors are saying no, No. and he's still in the hospital at this point, um, the children are immediately put into fire. Like, they never go back with her. Yeah, because they're like, yeah, "Uh, this ain't right. Yeah. But Christy is still in the hospital for quite some time through recovery. She's unable to speak. But again, like, every time Diane can visit... And every time she comes in, they keep noting, like, the hospital staff is telling the detectives, like, every time she comes in, Christy's vital spike. So this is this is the interview. And actually, the reporter that does this final interview, her name's Ann Jager, and she is a big part of the 2020 special that I watched, that everybody kind of watched about, about this whenever they're reporting. Huh? There's a special? Yeah, 2020. It's called My Mother's Sins. And Ann Jager says that when Diane showed up to this interview with her, it's a national interview. I think maybe at this point, Diane had mostly done like local news stations and stuff like this. This is a national one. And Ann wanted her. They invite her in. They tell her, you can have your attorney come with you. Yeah. Ann says... When she walked in that door without a lawyer, I thought, gotcha. Gotcha. Because then she can ask whatever question uh-huh. she wants. So in the interview. I love it. That's great. Diane, honestly, I doubt she even had to ask. Like, they only showed clips of, like, Diane talking. Yeah. I don't even know what questions she asked. Because that's the thing about that's Diane. Strange. She'll just keep talking. She'll just dig her own grave. So in the interview, she she just kept saying that she just kept saying to herself when everything happened and when her kids are in the hospital about to die, that she's praying to God, God, do what's best. You know, if they got to die, let them die, but don't let them suffer. What? Are you kidding me? That's not the words of somebody whose children are like still... Like, they're still alive. alive. They could survive. Yeah. That's the word of somebody, of a parent who's, like, with a terminally ill child. Yes. Who's like, I don't want them to suffer. 
Yeah. I'm just thinking about my like parents. Like, they are suffering. I never imagined my father ever being like, well, I mean. If she's got to die. die. then. Like, okay. Yeah. Disturbing. Not so soon after. This is the part that gave me goosebumps, though. Okay. She's describing seeing Christy, like, as she's driving to the hospital. She sees, she looks back and she sees Christy. And she's describing seeing Christy with blood gushing out of her mouth. And she literally, like, smirks and, like, smiles as she's, like, right when she gets to the part that she's like, and she's got blood gushing out of her mouth. Chills. Goosebumps. Okay, I have to watch this. So gross. Then she goes on to say, everybody says you sure were lucky. Well, I don't feel very lucky. I couldn't tie my damn shoes for about two months. Whoa. And then she starts laughing. And then she says, I don't think I was very lucky. I think my kids were lucky. If I had been shot the way they were, we all would have died. Just let that marinate for a minute. <laughs> okay, so when, okay, so when people say you're so lucky, they mean that the fact that two of your children are still alive. They yes. do not mean that you're lucky you were shot in the arm. Yeah. Yeah. Ah! No, burn it with fire. So, hold on your seats. Hold on to your butts if you listen hold to Hold on to your butts because it's about butts. to get wilder. What? She, she also reveals in this interview that she is pregnant again. Yes. I'm not gonna lie, I did spoil that for myself looking at pictures of her because I Stop noticed it. she was pregnant. Yeah, when she gets arrested. arrested. I'm sorry, but I was waiting on it to come out. Is yeah. it Nick's baby? Just wait for it. <laughs> so she got, she says that she got pregnant intentionally because she misses her children. And while you can't replace children, you can replace the feeling that they give you, which is love. She no. said she says. Children give her love, satisfaction, and stability. Hello, psycho. That's supposed to be your job. You are supposed to give the children. Do you think she just asked somebody with severe mental health issues, obviously, she just needed the routine that children require? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. Because according know. to reports, like, she left her kids a lot once she moved to Oregon. She oh, would leave her mind. kids a lot with her mom. Then never mind. That her mom had them. When she says stability, like maybe she just means routine because I have a dog and even I know that that's not the same as having a child. But like my dog's routine is legit. It's the same with like a baby. Yeah. So everyone's question was what you already asked. Who is the father of this child? Yeah. So it turns out it's a man that was on her postal route. Oh my gosh. She had seen him and decided he had good bone structure, is attractive, and seemed intelligent. So she showed up to his house one night. Took off the trench coat. With some whiskey and marijuana. And they choked it up. Oh, and, my God. And again, she admits, I know my cycle. It only took one time. I know my cycle like that, too. I get what yeah. you're saying. While Diane is making her TV rounds and putting her foot in her mouth left and right... Detectives are doing their jobs. They take a closer look at the car where they find high-velocity blood splatter on the outside of the lower 
door frame on the passenger side. Okay. Okay. This doesn't align with Diane's story of the shooter leaning in the window to dr- to the on the driver's side and shooting Cheryl. Okay. Because Cheryl was in the passenger seat. Because Cheryl was in the passenger seat. Okay. How would blood get on the outside if oh, the door's closed? How does it get on the outside and a splatter? It's not like, oh, blood seeped through the door. No, it's splatter. Yeah. So they believe, detectives believe, and they lay it all out. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm getting I'm getting handsy. Hands, talking with our hands. <laughs> talking with my hands and hitting my microphone. Um, I'm just floored. So detectives believe that, because Cheryl was shot twice in okay. the shoulders, essentially, in her shoulders. They believe that after, despite the fact, despite the fact that the first shot would have been deadly to her, they believe that she may have mustered up enough something to be able to, like, hit the door handle and open the door and kind of fall out. But because she started to get away, she she leaned in over the seat and shot her again when she was on the ground just outside the door, which would create the blood splatter on the door on the frame. While they were searching, they found 22 cartridges in the rifle that she admitted to having that they had found in her apartment. They found extractor marks on the rims of those cartridges that did not come from the rifle. And the markings on the cartridges matched the markings on the shell casings found at the scene of the crime. Ballistics is crazy. It is. It's nuts. Detectives found a witness who states that he was driving behind Diane's car and he is sure that it was her car because it's the same car, make, model, color, and had Arizona plates. Okay. Yeah. And that he was driving behind her on the on the road where the shooting took place, but down further, mm-hmm. and that he says, despite the fact that she says she drove like a lunatic to the hospital, she was fine. No, she did not. This man says, I get stuck behind her on this long, curvy road, yeah. so I'm scared to pass because there's lots of curves. And she was going so slow that he says his speedometer barely registered. She was oh going less God. than 10 miles an hour. So she's driving along waiting for her children to bleed out. Yeah, that's what she's doing. She's waiting for them to die. Um, well, she should be a better shot. Yeah. So detectives are now looking for motive. Like it's yeah. all, all signs are pointing to Diane, but they need motive. So they re-examine the diaries. She had asked them to bring the diaries mm-hmm. in the hospital, but they made copies of them before they took them to her. Yeah, because they're not stupid. Yeah. So upon closer look, they find many entries that read like letters to Nick, which say things like, no one can take your place. I can't even say this seriously. <laughs> What? No so one could take your place in my bed or my heart. I'm gonna. And saying things like, my kids won't be any trouble. I oh. swear. Oh no. Oh no. They determined that. Oh, I also want to mention, I didn't put it in my notes, but I recall, I don't remember what source it was, but one of my sources also mentioned that like there really wasn't any entries about the kids until like it was all like nick 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 love letters to nick until like just like a few weeks before the shooting 
And then all of a sudden, it's entries of like, oh, me and the kids went to the park. We had so much fun today. We did this. We did that. <laughs> yeah. Premeditation. Exactly. Excuse me. Did I cough? <laughs> they determined through these things that when Nick broke it off with Diane, one of the reasons that he gave her was that he didn't want one of the excuses that he gave her for needing mm -hmm. to break it off is that he doesn't want to be a dad because he didn't have kids of his own. Oh, okay. Um, Valid. So there's your motive. This is nuts because after everything she went through to have the children. But remember what I said. She, just she be loves pregnant. being pregnant. She has said something to the effect. I didn't quote it because I didn't know about that source. But I didn't quote it, but supposedly she says something about, like, she loved being pregnant because she felt like she wasn't alone because she, like, yeah, had I them had with her. Because you feel, A, like, you're, there's, like, a need for you. You feel needed. Yeah. And she's been ignored her whole life. Yeah. So detectives fly down to Arizona to inter interview Steve Downs again, as well as track down Nick. Yeah. Robert Knickerbocker. So they interview um, Nick and he tells them that I had the affair because I just wanted a fling and she had always like Yeah, just flung. <laughs> gotten sick of people yeah. and been done with them. Um, so he thought that she would get tired of it eventually and she would let it go. But he says that unfortunately it escalated and continued on and off until she moved, and thank God she moved, and then I could be free of it. Yeah. Then they go and talk to Steve, and Steve tells police about a time that he was with Diane, which actually, I have to say, I was trying to shorten my notes, but I have to say this. So he wanted to get back together with her. Oh. So he goes, she she took, I think it was one of her trips for the surrogate thing, because she always, her yeah. surrogate things took place in another, another state. So she flies back in expecting Nick to be the one to pick her up, and he's not there, because he's broken it off with her, but yeah. she didn't believe him. And then Steve is there to pick her up from the airport, and she's mad about it. So he's with her. He takes her home. He actually took her to his house first, which is when she took the gun. Okay. Okay. And he didn't see... He saw that she put something in her purse, but didn't see what it was. But then they arrive at her trailer, and then she immediately goes in the house. She goes in. She locks herself in the bathroom. And then she starts yelling at him because he must. He, he wanted to talk to her about getting back together. Yeah. She yells like through the bathroom. She's like, it doesn't matter because I'm just going to kill myself. You won't have to worry about it. I'm going to kill myself. And so he and then he hears a gunshot. So he busts in the door. And when he busts in, she's holding the gun pointed at him and says, I couldn't kill myself, but I could kill you. What? So she shot the gun in the bathroom and it like went through the hole or a wall or a floor or something. I think the floor. So the police say like, oh, do you think that's still there? Did you ever fix it? Did you get rid of it? Like yeah. what happened? And he's like, oh, no, it's probably still there. So the police go to the trailer to find if there's yeah. a bullet casing any evidence from that gun. They do find it. But unfortunately, they couldn't match it because it had been too damaged, yeah. like weather damage and sitting in the soil and stuff. But they are, they have all this evidence that's pointing at her, even though some of it, a lot of it might be circumstantial. Yeah. Like, you know, when you have enough circumstantial evidence, like. It starts to not be circumstantial. If it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, like, yeah. come on. So they call her in for 
another more serious interview in the actual state police station, and her story completely changes. Now suddenly she's telling them there were actually two people and that they called her by name, so they knew who she was. But when Detective Welch, who was like the main detective on the case, tells her her story stinks, her response is, well, then you better get go get some deodorant. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, well, so she needs a book of comebacks? Yes. So detectives continue to try to keep up the tension. Yeah. Uh, to get her to crack, to make her uncomfortable. She didn't budge. Like, she would not, she would not budge. So at one point, the other detective, Detective West, says, and I quote, if it was you, you're going to take the fall for it. And I love this. This is hilarious. At least I think it's hilarious. And he says, if it wasn't you, then um, I'm going to quit this job. <laughs> that is funny. He said, well, if it ain't so- you, then I don't know. I don't know what else it is. So I'm just not possible. Myself out. It's not possible. It has to be you. <laughs> so while in the interview, Diane says, I'll make you a deal, okay? Next time I remember something, fuck ya. You can find the guy yourself, because I know who did. I know I didn't do it. And you can chase your little tails around for the next 20,000 years if that's what it takes. You don't like my help? You can fuck it. Hello, these people are trying to find the shooter of your children. Even if they make you a little bit mad and uncomfortable, like. Well, did you ever hear a victim's family's not cooperating? (laughs) Like ever? Exactly. No. Yeah, no. So, at the end of the interview, she tells detectives she knows who did it. Oh, oh, of course she did. And she'll go get him and bring him in if she has to. And then she storms out of the office. Like, she just gets up and goes, bye, (laughs) and leaves. So, if you know who shot and killed one of your children and shot the other two. Why? why? And that's what they're, like, dumbfounded. What? So, you know who did it? Why why wouldn't you? you Why would you just give us... A bad composite of a bushy-haired stranger, if you know who did it. Or if you know who the bushy-haired stranger is, why didn't you just say something? Like yeah. That? At this point, there's a ton of public pressure yeah. to arrest. Like, everybody's questioning, why aren't you arresting this woman? It's obvious. But the district attorney was waiting for the... The smoking the, gun. The smoking gun, which was Christy. Yes. I don't blame him. I get it. So she was still in the hospital, unable to speak for a long time, but even after she regained her ability to speak, she was afraid to talk about it. Mm -hmm. So they had her in therapy, and the therapist working with her said, you're going to write down on on a piece of paper who shot you, and you're going to put it in an envelope, and then you're going to stick it in my fireplace to burn it until you're ready to talk talk about about it. it. But you have... She does have to... She doesn't have to heal in her own time. She's a kid. Yeah. And at this point, she's... Eight? Nine. Eight or nine. Like, I mean, it's eight to nine years old. Um, So this goes on for some time. They do this exercise many times until she was ready. And then she said, no, I'm not going to put it in the fireplace. And she hands them the envelope and they open it up and it says, my mom. So... Diane was arrested on February 28th, 1984. And even when being arrested or transported, like, in cuffs or anything, 
Like all of the, all of the times. She's not sad. She doesn't look ashamed. She doesn't look embarrassed. She's smiling. And there's even one where there's even like a couple different photos where male deputies are hauling her out. And she's like looking up at them with doe eyes, like almost like adoringly. So funky. So funky. Diane was charged with one count of murder, two counts of attempted murder, and two counts of assault in the first degree. The trial becomes quite the production, Mm -hmm. of course, especially because she's very pregnant by this time. She's like almost she's almost nine months. It was one of the first national stories of a mother killing or attempting to kill her kids. Mm -hmm. So that's the other reason it was so. So the courtroom was packed every day. A lot of the people following the case were women and mothers Mm -hmm. themselves. Yeah, because it's like a a train wreck. Yeah. You can't look away, but it. You know it's wrong. It's so messed up. Like you just have been a part of you has to figure out why. Yeah. Yeah. I and can't this, imagine trying to kill my dog, much as a child. Yeah. So this wasn't televised. Like there were no cameras. So people like they had to close it off because yeah. so many people were trying to get in. For reference, I woke up crying about a dream about Alicia, one of Alicia's children dying the other day. Not even my own kid. Yeah. But that's because you have a soul and are not a sociopath. (laughs) Jurors were able to listen to the recordings of interviews Diane gave. So they got to hear her say in that flat tone that detectives were trying to describe. She quotes, she says, quote, they told me that Cheryl was in pretty bad shape and might not make it. And I said, okay. And I said, okay. (laughs) Like, okay. No, honey, you say okay when somebody says, do you want tacos for lunch? Like, I say hell yeah when somebody says do you want tacos. <laughs> that's for lunch? true. Maybe, maybe <laughs> you say okay when somebody says do you want PB and J for lunch. <laughs> You're like yeah, that'll work. So this is kind of cool. Jim Pex, he was a forensic criminalist on the case at, from Oregon State Crime Laboratory, was able to use a mock car model. Brought it oh, into yeah. like a okay. full size mock car model, brought it into the courtroom and th- used that along with photos of the real car to show to sh- have comparison. And they had dolls in the car mm-hmm. as kids and they had like this a fake gun that had like a measuring stick. So he shot he was able to show them exactly like this is where the gun would have, have been, been had to have been based on the blood splatter, yeah. the wound, the you know, where it hit everything. He was able to show them exactly where the bullet strike was and how the blood blood splatter patterns got there. Mm-hmm. So then the moment came, the big moment, where Christy testified that Diane had stopped the car, got something out of the truck trunk of the car, not the truck, the trunk, mm-hmm. came to the driver's side, door knelt on the driver's seat shot cheryl then danny and then her oh my gosh she made her watch yeah she probably shot her last because that was her favorite Favorite kid kid. but then you're tormenting her but also like if she shot her first the other two might have woken up yeah so do you you might not know the answer do you know who they who christy and danny were staying with were they with their dad or were they in foster care they were okay, so they were in foster care at that point. At that point, so that's more. Okay. 
to come more to come um the defense claims that the ballistics were planted and that christie's testimony was coerced that that was their defense i mean you gotta give them something to work with and she's you know she's young i can see them being like she's an eight-year-old girl nine-year-old girl but a key moment in the trial as far as the jurors are concerned Christy had told them that the song Hungry Like a Wolf was playing during the shooting. Okay. Do you know that song? No. If you don't look it up, it's a good song from the 80s. Duran Duran is the band. So during a demonstration in the courtroom, they play this song. And what does Diane do? So so if you're familiar with the psychology of, of music and, like, how it affects our brains and how, like... I can hear a song from 25 years ago that will take me right back to the moment that like a certain moment, an event in my life, good, bad, or indifferent, like you will vividly remember it. You will, if it was a bad moment, you are not going to want to hear that song. No, I don't care how much you liked the song beforehand. You are not going to want to hear that song. I have a friend who was in a really bad car accident in high school and his radio kept playing when he was sitting there with his back. Yes. And like, it came on i've seen it happen it's come on the radio or on somebody's playlist and he gets physically upset yes and he had you he it's just, a physical response you yeah, can't you it's can't. not like Ugh, no yeah no I can't believe they did that well well I, I they can't. didn't play it with i don't think they played it with any of the kids in the courtroom okay. oh, but okay. they play it during a demonstration and what does diane do tell me she doesn't smile Oh, no, she does more than that. She starts tapping her feet and (gasps) her hands on the table and is, like, bobbing her head along. Like, I love this song. This is my favorite song. Oh, my God. And the jurors looked at her in horror. Just, what is wrong with you? I, like, can't make myself take a breath. That's so shocking. Yes. Holy crap. I love that I didn't know anything coming into this. Yeah. This is so much better. <laughs> so dur- during, needless to say, during the evalu- her psych evals, Diane was diagnosed with three personality disorders. Okay. Histrionic, nar- histrionic personality disorder, narcissism, and antisocial, or in other words, sociopath. Yeah. So the trial lasts about six weeks you know, because it, there wasn't cameras, I tried looking for transcripts and stuff. Yeah, I it's it's difficult, and I didn't have the time to like research it and like literally contact the courts and be like, well, hey, if you I, did any sort of suppression of it, you're right? Gonna... So, but the trial did last about six weeks, and it is said that five hundred pieces of evidence were entered. Wow! Yeah, that's a lot. Um, obviously, the jury found her guilty on all counts. And she once again went out of the court courtroom being taken out in handcuffs. She's going to be, she got life in prison plus 50 years and she's nine months pregnant. So like, obviously they're not going to let you keep that baby. Yeah. And she walks out in handcuffs smiling. And then when the reporters are like, do you want, like, what do you have to say? Blah, blah, blah. She kind of like shrugs and smiles and says, I don't know. What is there to say? So she doesn't even like cry for herself herself or say like like, show emotion that like, oh, wow, I'm going to jail for the rest of my life. Like nothing. I have so many questions, but I'm going to see what you answer. So there's a lot of aftermath 
about this yeah. like kind of like a where does everybody end up kind of yeah, situation because so exactly yeah. so that's why i added this so i apologize if i'm running way over care. on time but hang in there so You're not way over t- 10 days after the trial diane gave birth to a baby girl she names her amy elizabeth diane she got to name her she shouldn't not for real okay. of course her adoptive parents like renamed her okay. i don't i don't even know i don't even know if they like actually created the birth certificate like that they just said that that's what diane wanted to name her basically they they took her to the hospital she was in the hospital for like a day Mm -hmm. maybe like they didn't even let her stay and like recover or anything it varies as to like how long how much time she actually got to hold the baby but she did get to hold the baby yeah well, and a lot of times I've, I've seen things where that's for baby, not for mom. And, and yes. Situations. Yeah. And I mean, they had to take the baby, like transport the baby to the adopted parents, like the adopted yeah. parent. This is not a situation where the adopted parents, they're going to let the adopted parents anywhere near no, her yeah. or let, you know, they don't want her knowing anything about it. Detective Welch was the one. So he was the main detective on her case. And. He says in an interview that she surprisingly, like, let him hold the baby, too. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because yeah, it's not about the baby. Yeah. The it was about the like, pregnancy. It's kind of like yeah. how product killers versus, like, killer killers who just like to kill. Yeah. Like, Dennis Nilsson is the one that comes to mind. Like, he didn't kill because he liked, or he was a product killer. He didn't like the killing process. Yeah. He liked the end result. Or there's, like, people who don't like... Yeah. It's the other way around who liked the killing process and not to deal with the dead body. Yeah. So she likes the pregnancy process, but not the not baby. the kid. Yeah. So the baby is immediately taken to the adopted parents who were staying at a nearby hotel. Um, it was Jackie and Chris Babcock, and they changed her name to Rebecca. Aw. And called her Becky. So within literal like, within hours probably 24 most, I'm guessing, based on sources, Diane's taken back to prison to await her sentencing. She's, like I said, she was sentenced to life in prison plus 50 years. Her older children, Christy and Danny, so I'm just going to tell you what happens, and I want to see your response, because some people find this heartwarming, some people say it's unethical. Okay. But they were both adopted by the prosecuting attorney, Fred Hugie. Hmm. I think it's kind of sweet. Yeah. I think I think that in that scenario, if it's unethical, you don't... Normally, if something's unethical, they don't do it. I yeah. say that. I know that that's not generally true. But, like, if you're in a situation where you're around these kids who need a home... Yeah. And so, you fall in love with them... Right, so... He's, as a prosecutor, doing his job better. Yeah, so him and his wife never had kids. Yeah. And he had said that I've done cases like this, but it is said that as soon as he walked in, so he actually, because they're in kind of a smaller town. I know. So because they're in a bit of a smaller town, like him and his team had, like, they worked on the investigation as well. Like, they lead stuff too. Um, whereas, you know, in bigger cities, it's more like, okay, you do the investigating, bring it to me after I'll take it from here. But he was at the site. He was at the hospital that night. And it is said that like, as soon as he saw these kids, he was like, 
these are my kids. Aww. Like I, I, he immediately got attached and Aww. was like, I'm, I'm going to take these kids. So, and to me, I think that that's, you know, right person, right time. Yeah. And I think that as a prosecutor, it, while some people, I do see why people would argue that it's unethical. I think that as long as he's the prosecution and he's doing his job to the best of his ability, which he yeah. did. Yeah. And it's very clear. It's like. If she hadn't done it and he was putting an, an innocent person behind bars to get their kids, that would be one thing. Yeah. But Christy said, my mom shot me. Right. Well, that's the thing that... Makes them say it was coerced. Makes them say that it was coerced and that they had it yeah. and that stuff was planted and blah, blah, blah. All these conspiracy theories, which I'll get to in a sec. I think I think that that that's what they think the motive was for for trying to put like Diane dug her own grave, man. Yeah. How do you? When did he adopt them? Like in the process? I'm assuming not until after. After, before. yeah, yeah. So, and I'm sure it took time. Yeah. Like I don't know exactly when because huh. after this, like they did everything they could to protect these kids. Like yeah. they have led very private lives. It is very difficult to you can't find anything on them after. Yeah, because Good. they have. They changed their names. They lived their days out. Okay. So jumping back to Becky Babcock, the baby. So the Babcocks kept Becky's true identity secret from everyone until July 11th, 1987, when they received a phone call and found out that Diane had escaped from prison. (gasps) Holy crap. What? Yeah. Detectives were told... She climbed the fence and threw a coat over the barbed wire so she could climb over it. Because back then, you have to remember, back then, the barbed wire on these fences, it's like a 16-foot fence. Yeah. But the barbed wire is not like the barbed wire that you see today. It's It's like like traditional barbed wire. Yeah, you can get over it. Like, you're going to get scraped up, but But you can get over it. Razor wire will, like, slice you apart. Yeah, like, the stuff you see today, it's, like, the fence is, like, still, like, the same height or taller and has that angled thing. And then it's got multiple levels of the wiring. Yeah, it wasn't like that. Like, in the footage that they show where she escaped, it's not. It's actually a little bit surprising that more people haven't escaped, (laughs) quite frankly. So, just have to say, like... Uh-oh, <laughs> you got to be careful. Yes. So they call, they let the Hugies know, they let the Babcocks know. So the Babcocks then had to basically tell every Becky was in preschool at this point. So they had to basically tell everybody who she's with. Yeah. Like, just so you know, this is her true identity. She's escaped prison. Do not let this child go with anyone but me and him. That's it. Yeah. Like, keep your eyes on her at all times. So it's said that uh, Fred Hughie reported that he slept in a chair by their front door with a loaded shotgun every night. I love this man. Every night until until she was caught. I love it. I love him because he knew they were his kids and he will go down shooting. Mm -hmm. I love it. They they create, you know, it's a manhunt, of course. So basically how she escaped was she got over the fence. She used a coat. She climbs under, it's like right there's the parking lot. She climbs under her car because they found her shirt mm-hmm. left behind. She changed clothes. Yeah. So she like must have had extra stuff in her pockets or something. She changes into a shirt. She makes it to not just like out to the road. And she gets picked up by a couple who recognized her. 
and they pick her up and give her a ride like a mile down the road. I don't know if they were scared. I don't know if they didn't believe she really did it. So they're like, hey, we'll help you. <laughs> like, what? I don't know. But they drop her off at a restaurant. Did they get charged? Because they should have. I don't know. I couldn't. I I heard nothing more about these people. And I had so many questions. <laughs> like, who are they? Why what would they doing? do this? Then she sighted at a restaurant like a mile down the road. Betsy stopped for a snack. So then she's on foot. And they're putting out, like, stuff all across, like, 14 states, 14-point bulletin. Contact Steve Downs. Have you heard any? Contact her family. Nobody's heard anything. All along, she was only blocks from the prison. She was, like, three blocks from the prison. She had gone to the house of a fellow inmate whose husband still lived there. And in true Diane fashion, like, what she do to get help oh, from no, him? Yeah, she didn't. I don't think her fellow inmate realized, like this. This means your. This means your husband's gonna be sleeping with this woman. <laughs> like, oh my lord. Yeah. So she must have some strong pheromones. He, uh, the guy says in a much later interview that he felt it was his job to keep her there so she didn't go out and hurt anyone, and that he could have turned her in, but. Yeah, he didn't. <laughs> yeah, so he got charged, right? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So a de- <laughs> detective working on the search takes another look at in Diane's cell. So this is how they yeah. find her because they're having trouble. Um, she's so close. They're searching her cell again, and he finds a pad of paper. The paper's blank, but he notices, oh, it's indented from the last thing written. And he finds the address and a map that, like, shows the prison and then a map on, like, where the house is. So they they go. You're so smart and yet so stupid. And they find, exactly. (laughs) I have wondered that this whole case. Like, you are so, like, she brags about how intelligent she is. Because during her psych evals, they give her an intelligence test. Or, I'm sorry, it was during the surrogate thing that they give her. They give her an intelligence test. I can't talk. And so she even brags about that later, like in one of her parole hearings, even. I am so intelligent. I'm like three points away from genius. <laughs> but yet you kept, well, but you don't know when to shut up. That's your problem. So okay. they go and they find her in good old Wayne's bed. Oh, his name is Wayne. In, in, his, uh, in his shirt. She has no bra and they're like taking her out. There's all this footage because reporters are yeah, there. Obviously. No bra in this guy's like old polo shirt and boxers. <laughs> and she's being hauled back to jail. Yeah, at this point, like the Babcocks had raised Becky, like not really telling her a whole lot. When yeah. she was about eight years old, she started wondering and asking questions. That's actually scientific. I've done research. That is seven, between seven and eight is the age where adults yeah. start asking questions. Yeah. It makes sense. And it's, it's the best age to start telling them things. Yeah. Well, they didn't know what to tell her. Like, they yeah, did tell I her. Yeah, tell her either. They tried to be age appropriate. They tried not to scare her. They did tell her that her mom was in jail, but they kind of, like, made it very vague and, like, we don't know. We don't know what for. I mean, that's kind of, I mean, what would you, I mean, what do you do? So... Although I kind of feel like they probably should have told her because what ends up happening is she tricks a babysitter into oh, into giving no. her her real mom's name. And then once she has the name, she go this is when she's a little older yeah. than 8. 
she goes and like goes to a library or bookstore or something and finds the book Small Sacrifices. Reminds me of of Morgan. Where he sent my email is library computer number four. <laughs> if you haven't watched the Mindy Project, please go watch the Mindy Project. Well, yeah. Plug. Plug for Mindy Kaling. Um, so she goes to the library. Or fi- she finds this book and she looks. Yeah. She just wants to see. And there's pictures in it. So she sees pictures. She doesn't read the book because she reads just enough. Like she kind of gets no. to know. And it freaks her out. So she puts the book back. But then a little later when she's about like 15, 16, a little older, she starts kind of like borderline bragging to people. Like yeah. she just mentions it to friends like this is who my real mom is. And I think she's like uncomfortable with it. But it just I could see being a teenager and being like, isn't my life so crazy? Yeah, like this is, it. you know, this is what happened. So. She's dating this kid when she's 16, and he kind of tricks her into watching the made-for-TV movie based on the book Small, Small Sacrifices. Okay? What is wrong with this kid? Let and, me at him. And she says in in the inter, in you know an interview now, she says, "I didn't want to watch it, but like I couldn't look away." Yeah, no. And so she watches the movie, and then she has like this complete identity crisis. She was already probably, like, kind of partying, but she goes, like, haywire. She starts using drugs, blah, 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 blah. She gets pregnant with her first son at 17 years old, but continues to, like, party and do whatever, leaving him with his – they described it as his aunt, so I don't know if that means, like, her sibling or the father's sibling. I don't know. She has a second son – later in 2006 but gives him up for adoption because she realizes i'm not being the best parent i can't provide for him so this kind of triggers her to wonder how diane felt about her when she had to give her up and that's a natural reaction and kind of wondering like did she love me like because she knows like diane was forced to give you up but you know you still wonder yeah absolutely it's a natural thing Somebody in her life, like, finds out where Diane is and tells her, here, you can write to her. Mm -hmm. So she writes to her, and initially, Diane responded quickly and positively. They wrote back and forth for some time, you know, a few times, at least a few times. But And Becky says that it was pleasant at first, but then the letters kept coming, and they, quote, progressively got more and more insane. Diane was seemingly angry when Becky asked who her biological father is and began talking about conspiracies and that she's innocent and that there are people who want to harm Becky. The conspiracy talk grew into like when Becky didn't respond the way she wanted her to or the way she thought she should. Then the conspiracy theories grow into like Becky is part of this conspiracy. You're not really my daughter. Like you're somebody i assume she means like you're posing as my daughter to try and get me to say something kind of thing um and that you know you're trying to set me up kind of thing so becky ends the communication but she still wanted to know who her biological father was um she reaches out so that's when she like goes public She's gotten a lot of positive stuff for going public, but she's also gotten a lot of flack for going public because they're like, oh, you're just trying to get like 15 minutes of fame because of your mother, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. So I kind of felt bad for her for that because 
like she says, that's the reason I went public was yeah. because maybe one of these many people who has researched my mother and her story knows who my father actually yeah. is. Well, it turns out, like, eventually, like, she does interviews with, like, some pretty big name. But, like, she did an Oprah interview. She does 2020 interview. Anyway, they connect her with Anne Roll, the author of the oh. book Small Sacrifices, who basically did a ton of research yeah. to, to write that book. She's the expert. Yes. But unfortunately, for ethical reasons, she cannot tell Becky who her father is. She's met the man. Bruh. She knows who he is, but she promised to never reveal who it was. All she was able, all she was given permission to put in the book is that he was a man on Diane's postal route. And that Diane. Yeah, well, well, and, and to her, she's thinking it'll ruin my integrity as a writer. And yes. A researcher, as a journalist. Yep. Yeah. Becky actually did reach out to, she found Christy at one point and reached out to her and they had a few like on facebook i think she yeah. said they had like messaged or spoke a few times but she said that christy ultimately said we've lived private lives we don't really want people yeah. coming at us about this stuff because it's still so prevalent like yeah. the 2020 special that i watched was done because diane was it was in it was in the year 2020 as well Diane was up for parole for like the third time. Of yeah. course, she gets denied. That's why I didn't really touch on a lot of stuff because to me, this is. You don't need it's to. It's like it's black and white, man. It's black and white. And like we talked about in some of the other cases, like when you're a sociopath and personality disorder, yes, you're crazy. You're insane, but not in the sense that legally you yeah. can make that defense because you know right from wrong. You just don't care. Yeah. You are unempathetic. You're not capable of empathy, so oh, you just don't care. care. So the other interesting thing that I just wanted to touch on was Diane continues to maintain her innocence. She doesn't go to these parole hearings. Say. She doesn't go to the parole hearings like, oh, now I've learned my lesson. I'm so sorry. Like, no, she straight up is like, I didn't do this. I was framed. But if her family is feeding her all these conspiracy theories and she's like claiming. I don't know if it's her feeding them that or them yeah. feed. It's hard to say because... The interesting thing is that her father questioned her innocence in the beginning. And, now and then like, he flipped. I mean, now he's dead. But oh. because he's old. Like this happened, you know, back in yeah. the 80s. So he, he was older then. Do it. He says she's in so by the time. Yeah. But years later, like he flipped and he started this. Like, I'm assuming that they start the family or he started it because based on the writing, it's like kind of written in the first person. My wife and I had five children, and this is how we raised them. So it sounds like it's written by him. Yeah. But anyway, it's DianeDowns.com, and it straight up looks like a conspiracy site. Oh, as, soon as, you, as soon as you look it up, you'll be like, whoa. Her brother runs, um, does like group pages on social media, also saying free Diane Downs. They claim that the evidence... That, oh. Yeah. <laughs> She's looked it Murder up. on old, old Mohawk Road. You yep. be the jury. John 8, 32. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Yes. Truth. Court document. Yeah. And they do have some documents, but I didn't use any of those documents because, well, they were all like things that they're looking at going, see, this is conspiracy. And I look at and go, I don't see, see what the problem is. <laughs> I don't see what the problem is. Okay. So they claim the evidence was destroyed. Witnesses committed perjury. That Steve, the ex-husband, 
lied to police about the 22 Ruger and that they had they they claimed that they actually tracked down the Ruger. Yeah. But that it didn't matter, I guess. Yeah, murder weapon. So I did find this interesting in the comments on social media page when asked why Christy, like why wouldn't Christy and Danny, if they had been coerced into testifying, she had been coerced into testifying and they were so unhappy and Diane's completely innocent. They are now adults. Like these people, Danny's my age. They're in their forties and forties to like early fifties. Why would they not come forward at this point? Like Fred Hughie is probably dead at this point. Yeah. Why would they not come forward and go, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, I was a kid. I was coerced. I was told to say this. Yeah, he, he's done. And her brother's response to that was they were brainwashed babies. That's it. Like, no. they were brainwashed. But yet they also claim that Christy told people when she was, like, 15 years old that her mom didn't do it. So this is part of the conspiracy, is there was a person, a woman, who called the Hughie household. Fred and his wife were not home. Christy answers the phone, and this woman claims that her name is Angel and that she just wants to talk to Christy about whatever. She's very much... It's disturbing. I listened to the phone call. Oh, it's public. It's public. It's on YouTube. Okay. You can listen to it. She claims... She's telling Christy, like, you know, so did you, did your mom really do it? And Christy does say, but you can hear it in her voice. She's a 15-year-old girl that just answered the phone to a stranger who's like, yeah. going, this woman's going from one second talking about like, do you like Michael Jackson? I have a video of Michael Jackson. Maybe I can send it to you. What other bands do you like? Like trying to like. It's, did your mom shoot you? It's so obvious that like yeah. you're trying to, to like. her into doing something. Butter her up or make yeah. her guard down. But she. You hear it in Christy's voice that she's kind of like, who are you and why are you? But she's still young enough to where she doesn't just have the the gumption to go shut up and hang up the phone, you know? So she tells her, well, if your mom didn't didn't do it, then you really need to call your grandparents and tell them that. They miss you so much. Obviously, it very much sounds like this person was put up to this. Like they're they're working with the family. In some respect. So they think that that phone call is gold. Like, see, she said, and the thing is, she never says that she, that her mom didn't do it. She says, I don't know. She goes, I just don't know. Yeah. She might not know. She might have blocked it all out. Trauma blocked out. They're such a real thing. Yeah. So that's the question. But like, if she just didn't know, why wouldn't she come forward now? If she still felt like that. And then, like, they're asking her, like, how are the Hugies? Is it is it okay living there? Do Are they nice? And Christy does say, like, they're nice, but they're kind of old. So, like, it's not real exciting. Like, because they were. They were older than yeah, Christy's safe, natural parents. And Danny's safe. But what 15-year-old kid mom. isn't going to say things like that yeah. about parents that are older and boring i had a friend in high school whose parents had like older children like had kids at you know the ages you would expect and then right when mom hits menopause and thinks she can't get pregnant anymore bam surprise that's how my mother was born as well yeah (laughs) so 
oftentimes those kids and you're like the youngest and they're already all her siblings were out of the house. So, yeah, she was like, my parents are boring. Like they're old. They don't want to do anything. (laughs) Like, Yeah. But you know what? They're loved and they're safe. Exactly. They were taken care of. Yeah. They were protected. Yeah. Red Hoogie said, I'm so, out here with my shotgun. Come <laughs> I protect me. With my shotgun in my rocking chair. Come at me, you blonde bitch. <laughs> so, yeah. So, like I said, Diane's been up for parole, always denied. She still maintains that she is innocent and has learned nothing, apparently. That was a roller coaster. That is a roller coaster. See why I wanted to do the case, even though I knew I knew I was going to have to, like, yeah, but it's hold okay. it together, not get emotional. Yeah. But once you know, like, it's it's a, it's more emotional when you don't know the outcome. When you know the outcome, yeah. you're like, yes, it's horrifying that Cheryl died. The only thing that makes you feel, like, a little bit better about it is knowing she was asleep. So yeah. she didn't have to sit there. Christy's probably the one that's, like, the so most traumatized. Because she had to watch the whole thing. And she probably doesn't remember much. I mean, do you remember much from when you were eight? Like, I mean, I'm sure that's ingrained. Some. But I didn't have that level yeah, exactly. of trauma. I had trauma, but not that level. Yeah. So I can't. I can't imagine. You did but a great job. Thank you. That was awesome. Sorry if it was too long, but thanks for listening. I don't care. I loved it. This was great. Thanks Til- for listening. Thanks for listening. Till next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. Find us on Instagram and TikTok at Burden of Proof Pod and email us at burdenofproofpod at gmail.com.